Hello, listeners. Thank you for listening in. I hope you are all doing well and staying healthy out there. Have you ever wondered how government can help with domestic violence? Are you curious about what happens when the police respond to a domestic violence call or how to obtain a restraining order? Today, we are learning more about what the town of East Windsor is doing to help people experiencing domestic violence, and we'll answer these questions and more. The town of East Windsor is one of six towns in our catchment area. We are happy to work with them as much as we can and to be able to highlight some of the great stuff that they've been doing with our organization. We are so thankful for the ways that they've reached out and been able to help us. I'm Annalisa, the Community Youth Educator for the Network, and today I'm talking to Sarah Muska and Sergeant Julia Knowles. Sarah Muska is a lifelong resident of East Windsor, a member of the East Windsor Board of Selectmen, and a victim's advocate. As a domestic violence survivor herself, she is very passionate about giving back to her community and creating awareness about topics such as domestic violence, PTSD, and food insecurity. She enjoys hiking, reading, and baking. And she's been an absolute wonderful person for us to be able to work with and partner with on different activities, donation drives, and awareness events. We're very thankful for her support and everything that she's done for the network over the years. I'm really excited to talk to her today to learn a little bit more about what we can do to work with government to make life easier and better for victims of domestic violence and hopefully to stop some of this from happening. We're also going to be talking to Sergeant Julia Knowles. Sergeant Julia Knowles has been with the East Windsor Police Department for seven years and is a supervisor on the Midnight Shift. She is the Lethality Assessment Program's coordinator for her department, as well as an instructor in domestic violence. Sergeant Knowles supervises the unmanned aerial vehicle team, as well as the communications division. She is crisis intervention trained, has a bachelor's degree in criminal justice, and is pursuing her master's degree in public administration. We are so grateful to have her here today to share her wealth of knowledge with us, and we're also grateful for all the help she provides to the network with the Lethality Assessment Program and instructing people on domestic violence. Well, thank you so much for joining me for this interview today and learning a little bit more about domestic violence with the town of East Windsor. To start with, Sarah, can you tell us a little bit more about your role with the town of East Windsor? Sure. Hi. Good morning. Um, thank you so much for having me today. It's really great to be here with the both of you um, to talk about such an important issue in domestic violence in East Windsor. Um, I am a selectman for the town of East Windsor. I was elected in November of 2019 to serve a two-year term. Um, ultimately, my role is to serve as part of the town's executive body, um, which is participating in setting policies, proposing budgets, things of that nature. Um, but I really like the public relations and community outreach um, part of the position. I'm very passionate about giving back to my community and helping others. Um, so I really enjoy creating awareness about certain topics and issues and helping with charities. Um, so that's basically what I do for the town. That's great. And um, Sergeant Knowles, could you tell us a little bit about your role with the police department? Um, so I am a patrol sergeant. I work on the midnight shift here. I am the lap coordinator. So I work uh, pretty closely with CCADV and specifically the network out of Enfield. Um, 
also involved with a couple of other programs we have here, uh, the drone program, and some training as well. That's I'm actually our domestic violence trainer here. That's great. And we really appreciate your help with the lap as well. That's very important. So for the town of East Windsor, recently you did a Love is Kind clothesline project. Can you tell us a little bit more about that idea of what Love is Kind Day is and how it went over with the community? Sure. In 2019, the town of East Windsor recognized National Love is Kind Day. We really wanted to make it an annual event. In 2019, we held an event at the Reservoir with Annalisa. We were so thankful you were a part of with speakers and our legislators and creating awareness. Um, our great police department was there as well. Um, but due to COVID-19, we really couldn't gather this year. Um, so all the credit for the clothesline really goes to our social services department and our parks and rec department. They really came up with a very creative concept. So uh, for those of you that aren't aware of what this was, outside of town hall, we had a clothesline, which had um, from the clothespins hanging random acts of kindness for uh, people in our community. So the goal was for you to come and take something off. Some things were donate um, items to the five corner cupboard or, or hold the door for someone behind you or pay it forward at Dunkin' Donuts, um, things of that nature, just to you know create a random act of kindness for members of the community. Um, and as these items were taken off, um, a a t-shirt was actually hung in its place. So the goal was to have a line full of purple t-shirts at the end. So it was a really great uh, concept. It went over really well. There were lots of posts on social media about it to get the word out. Um, and Love is Kind Day, it's a great um, day for survivors to recognize their independence from their abuser. Um, it's a very important day to me being a survivor, um, and it's a great way to reflect on um, how far you've come and really celebrate your independence. It's a great message to have, and we really like promoting that positivity as well. So we're really thankful for you guys putting that together. Thanks. We also did a donation drive um, where members of the community contributed to items that Julie Safehouse needed. And um, I'd like to thank everyone who donated to that as well. Yes, definitely us too. We really appreciate all those donations, especially now when it can be a little bit more difficult to get things. So thank you so much. Thank so this you. question, I guess really either of you could probably answer, but what are some trends that you notice with domestic violence in your town? Any concerning or positive ones? In the first few months of the pandemic, we found that our call volume was lower across the board. So that included domestic violence cases. Unfortunately, we're not really able to tell if that's due to a loss of need for services or the loss of means of reporting as schools were closed and victims who mm -hmm. might have generally had the opportunity to go to work or visit family were now home. Um, while the recent summer months have shown a relatively normal volume of calls for service, which was an increase from you know the, the earlier months, we have seen an increase in both physical and non-physical domestic incidents. Oh, that's a little scary to hear. Is there um, 
anything that people should know about how they could help with that? So I know later we were going to get uh, to talking about some changes or some things that we'd like to see in the future that have either happened or that we could do better for reporting for victims. And one thing mm -hmm. that I think was actually brought up in your Enfield podcast as well, but is text 911. I think that's a fantastic opportunity and it was publicized quite a bit, but it does give victims options for when they can't speak that they can just send a text to the number 911. It's a great tool in the state of Connecticut and allows the victims the ability to send a message directly to the nearest connected dispatch center. They can receive services and scenarios where they wouldn't be able to speak over the phone. Yeah, that's a great service. And we're really happy that Connecticut started doing that. What are some ways that the town of East Windsor supports people experiencing domestic violence? So every year in our town budget, we allocate funds towards the network. So members of our community are able to seek resources from the network. Um, we like to create awareness um, through Parks and Rec, just like we did for the Love is Kind Day. October is National Domestic Violence Awareness Month. The town will usually issue a proclamation. Um, last year, I worked with our police chief and he was great in allowing officers to wear a purple ribbon on their uniform if they chose to, to create awareness. Um, but ultimately, um, it's making people feel comfortable that there are people in the community that they can trust if they need to seek help and just to keep making those resources available and aware, you know, make people aware where to find help if they need it. Um, but um, there's always, you know, more things we can do. I think you do a great job as well, Annalisa, of getting involved with the school system and um, holding fairs and creating awareness with our youth as well. But it's ultimately just, you know, keeping this in people's minds that it's okay to seek help and there are people that in the community that they can trust. Yeah, that's definitely important. And one of the things that I know that I hope to be able to do with this podcast is letting people know how these services work so they feel more comfortable. That is definitely great. Can you tell us about some ways that the police help in domestic violence situations? I think it's, it's piggybacking quite a bit on what Blackman um, Muska just mentioned in offering of services. So when we go to any domestic violence incident, um, especially when it's intimate partners, we will include our LAP program as well as an introduction to the Office of Victim Services. So we're generally the first step in that direction and a bridge to keep those in need of services connected. It's unfortunately a, a pretty reactive measure, but we do look to continue our proactive work in the community with our community policing model and some of the other things that Selectman Muska had mentioned that we do in town. Could you tell us a little bit more about that model? About community policing? Yep. So it's uh, an attempt to get to know the town in non-emergency situations. So being involved in the day-to-day, -day, you'll see quite a bit of outreach in our social media program with our canine program. So it's officers getting to know, you'll see, especially the midnight guys, anything that's open at night, they know who the clerks are, they know what cars they drive, getting out and just talking when it's not a need for service and it's more a, a general interaction to get to know us as officers and the public outside of those stressful situations. That sounds great and like a very important program to have. 
So what are some ways that people can use the government to address domestic violence? Sure, just to highlight on what Sergeant Knowles just spoke about with the community policing, um, I'd really like to commend our police department. They do an excellent job on being out in the community. They recently held a uh, picnic in the community just to engage with members and um, their social media and the canine program. I just think they do an excellent job on being active in the community and I just wanted to highlight that. Um, but our legislators in the um, state and federal, I think that's the best avenue on looking for change. You could reach out to your state senator or your state representative um, because they're involved in bill, you know, bills and um, that's the ultimate place where laws are passed. So as far as you know, restraining orders or work on PTSD and things of that nature, I think um, you should always reach out to your state rep or senator and even um, at the federal level and see if, you know, there's changes that can be made there that might work with you. Um, Connecticut Coalition Against Domestic Violence is also very active in the legislature. Um, and I think that's probably the best way to see change if you're looking for it. That's a great idea. If somebody has never tried doing that before, what's an easy way that they could get started with being more involved in legislation? Um, so on the, um, I know here in East Windsor on our town website, we do have contact information for um, Representative Christopher Davis. He represents Ellington in East Windsor in the 57th district. We also have Representative Carol Hall, who represents the other portion of East Windsor and Enfield. And we have State Senator Saud Anwar. He represents the 3rd District in the Senate. And um, their contact information is on there. Um, they're very responsive if you send an email or call their office and express your concerns. I would recommend starting there. Great. Thank you. Um, we had talked a little bit about people being more comfortable with services and knowing what's available. I know sometimes that people might be nervous about calling the police in a domestic violence situation because they might not know what will happen. Could you tell us a little bit about what people might be able to expect if they were to make that phone call? Absolutely. So the state of Connecticut has very strict regulations regarding any case that's considered domestic violence, and that can include non-intimate cohabitants. So parents, and even roommates on some occasions, that's changed recently. The statute clearly states that where probable cause exists to believe that a violation has occurred, an arrest shall be made. But there has been a significant step forward with great thanks to CCADB in the inclusion of the primary aggressor language, which put a real highlight on self-defense, and it limited the re-victimization of domestic violence survivors through the use of dual arrest. So when we respond to a DV situation, anybody involved can expect the separation of parties in an interview of those who are involved as well as witnesses, the offering of medical services if necessary, um, statements and photographs of injuries or property damage might be taken if it's deemed necessary before the lap form is completed. Within that process, the, those involved or the victims involved will be provided with a card for the Office of Victim Services. Ours is out of Enfield, but with everything going on with COVID, we are using GA14 down in Hartford Services. And we'll also discuss a safety plan for those who are involved. Conditions of release may be put on the offender, so that will limit contact with the victim and generally the property until the court date is decided. 
So there, if there's any question, um, anybody involved can certainly ask the officer that's on scene if there is going to be conditions put in place and what they should do if the offender comes back to the home or tries to call. Thank you. It sounds like a lot of great things with that. If there were members of the community that were interested in helping support people experiencing domestic violence, what are some ways they can act and make this a priority in their town? Yeah, I would recommend reaching out to the town social services department or even the mayor or first selectman and possibly host a donation drive, which we've done here in town. That's a great way for members of the community to provide you know, help and feel like they're doing a good thing for members of a safe house or an organization, um, or ask to host an informational forum where you can have a speaker discuss um, things like that. Um, but I would recommend um, definitely reaching out to social services or your town government and um, even hosting a um, virtual run or a 5k or something of that nature where the funds would be directly donated to an organization to assist. Yeah, that's a great idea. Um, is there anything you hope to see in the future that the town might do for victims? Uh, I've um, appreciated what Sergeant Knoll said about the text to 911. Um, I would like to see the town implement um, a hotline or something using an anonymous number. I know um, sometimes seeing the 911 or um, if an abuser gets a hold of a phone and sees a number that you know would raise a red flag that might escalate the situation. So I'd like to see the town implement something that's more of an anonymous number and to know that they could get help immediately. I know that through the Connecticut Coalition Against Domestic Violence. There's a hotline, um, but I'd like to see more of an immediate help in directly in our region. Uh, being a, a victim of domestic violence and having, in, having had someone call the police before and waiting, um, it, granted the response time was very prompt and I think our police department did a great job um, it's nice to be able to reach out to someone that you can trust and hope to, um, you know, craft a plan to get immediate help if needed. So I'd like to see the town implement something like that. That's a good idea. I think in having the different phone numbers, because sometimes people might feel more comfortable calling somebody that they already like know to an extent rather than a national hotline or state hotline or something. That's a good idea. Um, speaking of people reaching out to get help, I know sometimes when we work with people, they get a little bit frustrated by the process of restraining orders. Could you tell us a little bit more about how someone experiencing domestic violence could best prepare for applying for one and anything that might be helpful for them to have? So. I think first we need to differentiate between a restraining order and a protective order because they're they're two separate things in the state of Connecticut. So um, the protective order is one through us, and it's after an arrest is made, and the restraining order is through the court, through the civil side of the system. So when an arrest is made, we'll put in the conditions of release that I had mentioned earlier. And when the offender goes to court, the court will decide whether a protective order should remain in place. In the situations that don't rise to the level of an arrest, or where probable cause doesn't exist for the rest, any party can go down to their nearest civil court, which for us would be in Hartford, 
and they can apply for a civil restraining order. The Office of Victim Services can be a really big help there, and anybody's welcome to go to the State of Connecticut Judicial website, where they do have um, a walkthrough of the process, and I believe they actually offer some short videos on the topic as well. So the person filing one will prepare an application and an affidavit to be presented to the judge who will decide if an order should be in place, and if so, a date will be decided for a hearing. The best way to prepare for that would be to contact OBS and assure you of everything you need, squared away and ready to go when you get there. And with regards to how the orders can be helpful, it's depending on the degree of the order and the stipulations that are put in place, but an order of protection can mean an immediate arrest of another party for so much as a single phone call, which generally wouldn't rise to the level of an arrest. Um, and that violation is an immediate, again, on-site arrest or a warrant application with the next day court date. Thank you for explaining that. Are there any changes that you'd like to be made one day in the future to make reporting better for victims? So I, I think Lekman Muska just hit on a great point that actually I hadn't really thought of because Text 911 is such a fantastic uh, newer tool for us. And from the victim side of things, it quite frankly hadn't occurred to me what a concern that can be on the phone. So if that's an option, that would be a fantastic thing that hopefully we can bridge a gap with in the future. Um, I think we definitely made big strides in reporting assistance with victims between the implementation of the dominant aggressor statute and the use of the LAP program because it creates a dialogue where there might not have been one previously. Uh, as always, we, we strive to proactively engage with our community in hopes that we can assist someone before they have to call 911, especially in domestic violence situations. As always, the more time speaking with victims and the continued interconnectivity with CCADB, with the advocates and policymakers, will certainly help us as we continue to move forward. Great, thank you. So we really appreciate all of the help from both of you with the town of East Windsor and with the police department and working with our agency and all the great things that we've been able to do. And I look forward to hopefully being able to do a lot more of that in the future. So thank you so much for answering a few questions and letting us have a little bit more information. Thank you so much for having us. And thank you for all that the network does for victims in the area. It's a great um, nonprofit organization and I'm glad to help as much as I can. Thank you. We are so appreciative of Sarah Muska and Sergeant Knowles for the information that they've provided today and for all the wonderful services that they provide for people experiencing domestic violence. We really appreciate everything that the town of East Windsor has been doing, and we look forward to continuing to work with them more in the future and to keep up the relationships that we do already have with them. We also hope to have this in all of our towns and to be able to really help victims the most that we can. So if you're listening, hopefully you've got some great ideas of how you can get your town government more involved. Even if it's outside of the town of East Windsor, I think a lot of the things said can apply to reaching out in your own areas and getting involved in legislation and being helpful to these causes. And also knowing that we are happy to help with planning awareness events in all of our towns. We do do a bunch already in the other towns that we have and we're happy to keep doing more. So if you'd like to see more happening in your town with awareness, please reach out to us. Or if you're not in our area, there are 18 agencies in Connecticut and we would be happy to connect you to somebody in your area to make sure that these awareness activities are happening because we think it's so important for people to know that there is a safe place that they can turn to if they need it and that there's help available out there. 
And also in understanding more about what domestic violence is, we can hopefully prevent it from happening as well. So we're very thankful for the town of East Windsor and everything that they're doing, as well as for Sarah Muska and Sergeant Knowles for all the work that they're doing in their different areas with the police department and the town government and making sure that we're helping people experiencing domestic violence. We really need all of these agencies working together to be the most effective and to get people the needs met that they have and to hopefully prevent this from happening. So we really appreciate this collaboration and we appreciate you listening in to get some good ideas, hopefully to make you feel more comfortable if you're ever in a situation where you do need to turn to the police or to help you feel empowered to get more involved in your town government. So thank you for listening. If you have any questions, any follow-ups, comments, or things that you would like us to know or include in an upcoming episode, again, feel free to send those our way, either through here or our various social medias. We are happy to hear from you and to try and make this the best that it can be for you. So thank you again and have a great day out there.